What's up? It is Ted Bohorquez with News Talk KZRG. Welcome to this week's episode of Plot Summary. And to give you a little plot summary of Plot Summary, see what I did there? Basically, everything Peter, Steve, and myself talked about this week on the Morning News Watch, I'm going to sum up for you in about 45 minutes or less. So let's jump right into it. Midterms. The midterms are coming up. They're on Tuesday. Very exciting stuff. News Talk KZRG will have wall-to-wall coverage on those midterms, sponsored by the Hinkles. So you're going to want to tune in for that. A big topic this week regarding the midterms is this impending red wave. Some are calling it a red tsunami. Some are saying, well, it's not quite that big. It's just a red wave. To start that off, Hispanics specifically. There's been a huge red wave within the Hispanic community. For the first time in a very long time, a majority of Hispanic voters are now Republicans. Go ahead and pat yourself on the back. Congratulations. We did it, boys. The majority of Hispanics are now Republican voters. Isn't that crazy? According to polls, the GOP garnished 46% of registered Hispanic voter support, whereas the Democrats only have 42% support. Uh, I mean, it's happening. It really is happening. And a lot of people are wondering why. What's going on here? Well, it has a lot to do not with what the Republicans are doing right, unfortunately. It's a lot to do with what the Democrats are doing wrong. Now, ideally, the ideal situation is that Hispanics become Republicans because the Republicans are offering a lot, because the Republicans are really doing something well. That is the ideal situation. That's not necessarily what we have right now, but you know what? We'll take all the votes we can get. According to polls, the majority of Hispanics do not agree with drag queens or gender ideology within schools. A majority said that they think it's highly inappropriate for teachers to discuss gender ideology or sexual orientation with children in kindergarten through third grade. So, again, going back to that initial question, why are they becoming more conservative? Well, because the Democrats have lost their darn minds. That's a big part of it. And Hispanics are saying, look, we would support you guys, but you just have gotten crazy. A lot of Hispanics like to vote reasonably. And right now, the party of reason by far are the Republicans. The Republicans are much more reasonable. Ideally, again, we will change some hearts and minds, bring them over to the Republican side by virtue of what the Republicans are doing well. Right now, Hispanics are coming over to the red side in droves because of what the Democrats are doing wrong. We'll take all the votes we can get, but that is a big uh, a big aspect. That A big thing with minorities is that the Dems are losing them based on all this gender garbage. And another very interesting thing that came out with Hispanics recently... Polls also found that foreign-born Hispanics are much more conservative than U.S.-born Hispanics. So this whole master plan of the Democrats to let all of these illegal immigrants come in and vote might actually backfire. Because as it turns out, all of those Hispanics they're letting in are way more conservative than the ones that are already here. And they say God doesn't have a sense of humor. Well, there it is for you, my friend. Now, this red wave is not just with Hispanic voters, though that is definitely where it is most visible. Um, It's also with black voters in the U.S. According to a Pew survey, 82% of black voters say violent crime is a very important issue in these midterm elections. Well, you know what? That's red wave language right there, because so far there's really only one party in the running that is saying we need to crack down on crime. So... Uh, What policies are they going to be supporting? I'll let you do the math on that. Again, 82% of black voters say violent crime is very important, whereas only 33% of white Democrats say that crime is very important. 
Well, probably because all the white Democrats live in very rich, affluent areas, so they don't actually see the crime that their policies are creating. And here's what's very interesting. Overall, 61% of all registered voters, both left, right, center, I mean, even libertarian, I don't quite know where they fit in that spectrum of left and right, but overall voters, total, 61% of registered voters overall say that crime is an important factor on who they vote for. It's not just an important factor for these midterms, but it actually has a direct result on who they plan on voting for. Very interesting stuff. Furthermore, this is actually at root cause cities. That's sort of what I call them. Root cause cities of these liberal movement. We're talking Portland, Oregon. We're talking San Francisco, California. We're talking New York, New York. They are the root cause for this liberal brainwashing that is going on. San Franciscans, for instance, they were outraged by their district attorney's attempt to create a quote-unquote fair justice system by refusing to punish criminals. That was sort of their plan to make it fair, was basically to not charge them with anything. Well, San Francisco's district attorney was recalled in June. 55% of people voted to recall. Just the following month after that, voters in deep blue Maryland voted out Baltimore State's attorney general, who adopted similar quote-unquote reforms, even as murder rates soared. So even in these deep blue cities and states, they're starting to realize, look, we can't just let crime run rampant. And very predictably, minorities were the first people to say, hey, this isn't working. Hispanics, blacks, they were the first to say, hey, we can't keep living like this. Why were they the first? Because they're the ones that have to bear the brunt of these poor policies, unfortunately. And finally, the crime got so bad that it actually started seeping up into these affluent Democrat, liberal, white neighborhoods. And they started pushing to recall their district attorneys and state attorney generals for these poor, soft-on-crime policies. Even they're starting to realize it. Meanwhile... White Democrat politicians are still calling the crime concern, quote-unquote, racist dog whistling. It's racist to say there's a crime problem, I guess. Hey, minority communities are drowning in crime. Can we solve that? That's racist. You can't say they're drowning in crime. Well, minority groups are the ones saying that, wise guy. So why don't you go ahead and put that in your pipe and smoke it? Democratic politicians are calling the crime concern racist dog whistling. Meanwhile, the voters are calling it a real problem. I, you know, that's not all that surprising. So red wave. I, I mean, this isn't this isn't unpredicted. We all saw it coming, and this isn't random. It's not a random year for a red wave to strike. No, this red wave is coming directly because of the poor policies that have been put in place on the left. Again, ideally, the red wave would appear because Republican policies are so successful. Now, once Republicans take back the House and the Senate. Hopefully they can get their act together, and hopefully we can get some really solid policies in place that retains this red wave. That's the goal. But for now, we're going to have to deal with this red wave by proxy. That's where we're at. Defund the police movement. That is still going strong for some politicians, including right here in Missouri. Um, Some uh, politicians, some Democratic politicians in St. Louis, for instance, are still pushing for to defund the police. Individuals like Stacey Abrams over in Georgia, she's still pushing to defund the police. Well, Another interesting poll came in this week, and it showed that 82% of black Americans want police funding to remain the same or even increase. Even increase. 17% of black Americans want to see the police further defunded. 82% of black Americans want police funding to remain the same or increase. Wow. The people have spoken. By a vast majority, it's not like it's, you know, 51 to 49%. No. 82% of black Americans 
are done with the defund the police movement, and yet Democrat politicians are still pushing for it. This all goes back in with the crime issue. This all goes back in with this red wave. And on that topic of the red wave, there are a couple of interesting races we're going to want to pay attention to during these midterms. News Talk KZRG will have your complete midterm coverage sponsored by the Hinkles at News Talk KZRG. The governor race in Georgia, for instance, Republican Brian Kemp has substantially widened his lead against Democrat Stacey Abrams. Now, when Brian Kemp was initially elected, he also ran against Stacey Abrams, and he won by a pretty pretty slim margin, very slim margin. Well, he now holds a double-digit lead over her. <laughs> so, you know, we keep saying this red wave, but that's what it is, man. Republicans are just gaining more and more support. Like I said just before, Stacey Abrams is still pushing to defund the police, despite the fact that 82% of black Americans don't want to defund the police further. Um, and Stacey Abrams, if you don't remember a couple weeks ago, she was also the one that claimed that the heartbeat sound that is heard during ultrasounds is not a real sound. It's actually a fake sound effect that the doctors manually play to trick people. She had made that claim as well. Um, according to polls, 55% of Georgia voters say they want Republican Brian Kemp, whereas only 44% say they want Democrat Stacey Abrams. And by the way, if we break those numbers down even further, you know, I know listening to numbers is a little funky, but, you know, just to give you a little info here, 55% of voters said they want Brian Kemp. Now, if we were to zoom in on just that 55 that say they like Brian Kemp, 44% of that 55, so about half of the 55%, said that they have for sure already made up their minds. They said they are guaranteed voting for Kemp, whereas the rest of them say they're leaning towards Brian Kemp, but they're still keeping an open mind. Whereas on the flip side, 44% of Georgia voters said that they're leaning towards Stacey Abrams, and of that 44%, only 35% said that they are for sure voting Stacey Abrams. They've already made up their mind no matter what. So there's more support for the Republican on a broader scale. And if you zoom in on those broader scales, there's more guaranteed support for Republicans. That might sound confusing, but the point is, is that more people are sure of Republicans than they are of Democrats. And that's what's important to pay attention here. We're looking at that in Georgia, and we're also looking at that in other states. In Arizona, for instance, Republican Carrie Lake, she was considered a pariah. She was considered at one point unvotable, unelectable. The Democrats actually wanted Carrie Lake to run desperately because they thought that they would be able to crush her. Well, guess what? Carrie Lake is killing it, man. She really is. She's running for Arizona governor. She's running against Democrat Katie Hobbs. And polls show that Carrie Lake has 51% of the vote, whereas Katie Hobbs only has 48. Not too long ago, Carrie Lake was considered unelectable. And now she's killing it in the polls. Why? Because the Democrats have ran this nation into the ground. They have bankrupted us. And people are so sick of it. A. And B. Because these quote-unquote unelectables, these quote-unquote deplorables... They have good ideas, and the left are quick to label them as ultra and as extremists. But when you actually sit down and listen to what they have to say, Republicans have a fantastic ideas, just like Carrie Lake does. And that's why Democrats were so opposed to debating, because then it gave a platform for Republicans to say, hey, look, we can't keep doing this. Why don't we try running the country this way? And the way that they're suggesting are great ideas. 
And the Democrats don't want people to know about it. That's why they're so quick to censor Republicans. That's why they're so quick to label them as extreme, because they don't want people to actually listen to the quality of ideas, the quality of content of their character. They don't want people to know about that. They just want people to think Republicans are evil and they're racist and they're extremists. That's all the Democrats want people to know about Republicans. Well, Republicans are now killing it because they actually have a platform. I'll give you a direct example of this that happened this week. Liz Cheney. Some people refer to her as a rhino, a Republican in name only. She's infamous. Liz Cheney launched an attack ad against Carrie Lake. Well, people saw that attack ad, did their own research on Carrie Lake, and went, hey, this is actually a pretty decent candidate. Since that ad that was designed to bring Carrie Lake down was released, Lake raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for her campaign. You know why? It got the word out about Carrie Lake. People go, oh, she's actually got some decent ideas. That and the fact that people really hate Liz Cheney right now, so whoever she doesn't endorse, people start to think that maybe that's a good candidate. Sort of an anti-endorsement, right? Sort of like if you were to look at Nancy Pelosi. If Nancy Pelosi were to say, don't ever listen for or vote for Carrie Lake, people immediately go, well, Carrie Lake must have some good ideas then. If this person is able to scare Nancy Pelosi enough to give an anti-endorsement, this candidate must be pretty good. And Liz Cheney's now in that territory where where whoever she anti-endorses is actually an endorsement. I bet uh, I could imagine a future where Republicans are going to fight for Liz Cheney to not endorse them. Because whoever Liz Cheney openly says don't vote for, that is going to get people to donate for that person. It's kind of an interesting switcheroo they got cooking up. Um, Something else that we talked about this week on the Morning News Watch is uh, abortion for the midterms and what it really means. Um... The Democrats these last couple of weeks have been pouring large amounts of campaign cash into advertisements about abortion in an attempt to try and shift the narrative away from the economy. I wonder why. Polls from September and October show a huge voter drift away from abortion being the key issue to the economy and inflation. According to polls, about four months ago, abortion was a huge issue. And many voters, both left and right, said that that was a main issue that they would be casting their ballot on come midterms. Well, just last month, a massive voter drift away from that. The economy and inflation is now the main thing they're going to be casting their ballot on. Democrats have spent 45% of their ad money on abortion advertisements in Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. 45%. They are really trying to make abortion the big issue. Which to me is a big red flag, not because of the abortion issue itself. It's a red flag because politicians should not be telling the people what the big issues are. Politicians should not be spending money trying to sway public opinion of what the big issue is. No, the voters, the people should be telling the politicians what the issues are. If the voters say abortion is the issue, that's the issue. If voters say the economy and inflation is the issue, that's the issue. Because politicians represent the people. Not the other way around. If I'm a citizen of this country and I'm struggling with something, I need my representative to reflect my struggle. They don't get to pick an issue. You know, politicians don't get to come up and say, hey, the issue today is gender. And me, the voter, say, I don't care about gender. I care about putting food on the table. Then the politician says, oh, I, I, no, 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 no. You care about gender. You care about gender. That's what's important. No, it's the other way around. We tell the politicians what to care about. They represent our needs. We don't represent their political needs. And them spending that much money trying to shift the key issue back to abortion just highlights the fact 
that they don't know what they're doing, and they don't have interest in representing us. They have interest in strategically farming our anger, frustration, and struggle into politically advantageous platforms and votes. They're farming us. That's what we're, they're doing. We are the product to them. Wrong. That is backwards. So there it is. That's what's cooking um, with the midterms for the most part. That's what we discussed this week on the Morning News Watch for midterms. Again, News Talk KZRG will have complete midterm coverage sponsored by the Hinkles at NewstalkKZRG.com. Moving on. A couple of other things, uh, big things that happened in the news this week that we discussed. Perhaps one of the biggest things is the Federal Reserve this week. The Federal Reserve raised interest rates by another 75 basis points for the fourth straight meeting. They're doing this as they struggle to bring runaway inflation under control. Inflation that people have been saying has is a big problem for, oh, I don't know, probably near two years now. And now the Biden administration suddenly has interest in fixing it. Again, I wonder why. Oh, the midterms are coming up. So, yeah, they're, they're working to bring inflation down. They raised interest rates by another 75 basis points. However, the Fed has also hinted at the possibility of smaller rate increases in future meetings because they're now, you know, walking that tightrope line between bringing inflation down and spinning our economy into a recession. They are really walking that line and they're starting to get in the danger zone. So they talked about doing smaller rate increases in the future, not necessarily just doing 75 basis points increases. So we'll see how that goes. Big tech. Big tech was a big thing this week. Um, a recent report showed that officials from the Department of Homeland Security frequently met with members of big tech. This was not a proxy thing. Members of the Department of Homeland Security met directly with those in charge of big tech, specifically social media, and they did not meet once or twice. They met frequently. We're talking monthly. They met monthly with social media platforms, specifically to police misinformation, quote-unquote, and disinformation, quote-unquote. This all was leaked this week. Not a conspiracy theory, people. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the Republicans were right once again. Uh, the report that came out also indicated that this may have directly affected the 2020 election outcome, specifically with the Hunter Biden story. According to polls, voters would have been much less likely to vote President Biden into office if they knew about the Hunter Biden laptop story sooner, if that information came out during the election cycle, a lot of voters said they would have been less likely to have voted Biden in. I would say that is very suspicious. The report also indicated that the Department of Homeland Security officials exerted more and more pressure on social media companies in order to control online content. Now, that was actually from the social media companies themselves. They said they felt pressured by the Department of Homeland Security, the government, by the way. The Department of Homeland Security is the government. The government was pressuring these companies to monitor language and to monitor what people were saying online. You know, freedom of speech. For instance, a former Department of Homeland Security official and current Microsoft executive, Matt Matterson, texted the Department of Homeland Security director in February. He texted this individual, and this came out in the report. He said, quote, Platforms have got to get comfortable with government. It's really interesting how hesitant they remain, end quote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting how hesitant they remain. You know what's really interesting is how big government is starting to control our free speech. That's what's really interesting to me. Now, I got to give a little bit of credit here to the social media companies. From all reports, 
they were hesitant on allowing the government to step in. They were hesitant. Ultimately, they faltered, clearly, but they were initially hesitant on it. Got to give it to you, Big Tech. You were trying to fight back. You crumbled. You buckled. You lost. You're cowards. But you tried to fight back. Good for you. The real bad guy here is big government. They were pressuring these companies to censor speech. Now, for Facebook, for instance, Facebook gave, ultimately, they they did not want to do this, but ultimately they crumbled to government pressure. Facebook gave some government officials special access to flag posts and content directly. They didn't even need to go through Facebook monitors. The government could just flag stuff and say, "Uh, this is misinformation, we don't like this, bam, flagged. Somebody said, I don't really like Biden. The government could say this is misinformation and flag it. The former secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, he came out and he had said um, that this is very concerning. He said the government has no business monitoring the free speech of Americans and that we should be very concerned. Shout out to Chad Wolf. Um, I'm glad to see that some members within big tech and some members even within big government are trying to fight against this. Unfortunately, the fight is being lost. What we now need to do as voters is voice our concerns of this. We need to go out and protest. We need to go out and make our voices heard and say, hey, look, we can't do this. This is dangerous. Another point of evidence of this report, for instance, Jonathan Truly, a professor of law at Georgia Washington University, he said, quote, there is growing evidence that the legislative and executive branch officials are using social media companies to engage in censorship by surrogate, end quote. There's growing evidence of that. Well, there's also growing evidence they're doing it directly, again, with Facebook giving direct access to the government to flag stuff. So these reports are coming out. I mean, I mean, this is just like the Hunter Biden laptop story. If you remember, people called the Hunter Biden laptop story a crazy conspiracy and there's no way it's true. And then we did a little bit of digging and guess what? It's completely true and completely illegal and completely suspicious. Just like that with these big tech companies. People said that Republicans were being conspiracy theorists and that big tech shadow banning conservative ideas was a conspiracy theory and it wasn't real. Well, we did a little bit of digging and guess what? It's completely true. Just like the Hunter Biden laptop story. So when people call you a conspiracy theorist, when people say you don't know what you're talking about, dig a little bit more, get the evidence, find the receipts because they're there. And, and we're finally bringing this uh, injustice to light here. Thank goodness. Speaking of big tech, um, Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter went through. He's now the owner of Twitter. Um, he immediately started shaking things up, including a mass amount of layoffs, um, as well as firing the CFO, CEO, and some of the content moderators. He's finally bringing Twitter back to the people. That was sort of the goal of Elon Musk buying Twitter. And some people are skeptical. They're saying, okay, you know, what changes are really going to be made? Well, it already started working. The other day, the White House, from their official Twitter account, tweeted out saying, quote, Seniors are getting the biggest increase on their social security checks in 10 years through President Biden's leadership, end quote. Well, very shortly after, Twitter, thanks to Elon Musk's leadership, got (laughs) fact-checked. The White House was fact-checked on Twitter. Here's what the fact-check said. It said, quote, Seniors will receive a large Social Security benefit increase due to the annual cost of living adjustment, which is based on the inflation rate. President Nixon in 1972 signed into law automatic benefit adjustments tied to the consumer price index, end quote. So here's a fact check for you, White House. Seniors are getting the biggest increase to their Social Security checks in 10 years, not through President Biden's leadership, but through previous legislation that was signed in the 70s. It had nothing to do with President Biden. Bam, that's a fact check. I love I love Elon Musk. I love the new Twitter. They're fact checking people left and right. AOC is getting fact checked. Several Democrats are getting fact checked out on their tweets. President Biden 
Also got fact-checked. That was So that last one was from the White House. President Biden tweeted out. <laughs> he got fact-checked, too. Biden claimed on Twitter that in 2020, 55 companies who made over $40 billion in profits paid zero federal income tax. That's what Biden tweeted out. 55 companies paid zero federal income tax. He also claimed on Twitter that the new Inflation Reduction Act that he passed makes it so that these companies cannot skirt taxes like this ever again. Well, as it turns out, Twitter went ahead and did a little fact check for us. Of the 55 companies that he referred to, only 14 of them had earnings greater than a billion. So Biden claimed 55 companies had earnings greater than 40 billion. Well, actually, it was only 14 companies and they had earnings only greater than 1 billion. And also, the new laws under the Inflation Reduction Act only affect 14 of those companies. That's it. Not 55, not 105, 14. Shout out to Twitter. I mean, shout out to Twitter. Seriously. The Dems are starting to get a taste of their own medicine. And guess what? They don't like it. Why? Because it sucks, man. And this is what Republicans have been having to deal with for years now. Well, perhaps predictably, since all of this has been going on with Twitter and now that uh, one of the biggest social media platforms is not just a rubber stamp for the Democrats, now all of a sudden, much like the Republicans have been calling for for, I don't know, probably five years now, now all of a sudden the Democrats seem interested in making some laws about social media, making sure that they're fair. <laughs> now that they don't just own it, now they say, okay, let's make social media fair again. Senator Chris Murphy, for instance, he called for security checks on Twitter. Notice how he did not call for security checks on um, other social media platforms like Facebook. Very interesting. And notice how he didn't call for security checks when the Democrats basically just owned it. Also very interesting. Um, He called for those security checks because uh, now the second largest shareholder of Twitter is an individual with direct ties to the Saudi royal family. Which brings us to our sort of our the other topic we talked a lot about, and that is foreign investment in American culture, specifically social media. I said this last week, and uh, this might be a hot take, but I'm going to say it again. Good. Good. I think we should do security checks on Twitter. I really do. I think we should do security checks on TikTok. I think we should do security checks on Facebook. We need to do security checks on all of these companies. It has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with foreign influence. I don't want China influencing what type of content we see. I don't want China or Saudi Arabia having a say in content moderation just because they're shareholders. I don't want that at all. No, we should do security checks. And that's what Murphy said. That's what Senator Chris Murphy said. He noted that both TikTok and Twitter... Two of the most prominent American social media platforms are now owned in whole or in part by China and Saudi Arabia. We should be concerned about that. He said, quote, there is a clear national security issue at stake and the government should do a review. This is a dangerous trend and we don't have to accept it. End quote. You know, it's a shame that he um, didn't push for this sooner, you know, when the Democrats just owned all of it as well. But at least they're finally bringing this up. And we should be very concerned, specifically with TikTok in China. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but this is starting to be spread around. And and it's true. This is all true stuff here. The algorithm that is responsible for promoting what is most viewed and most shared on TikTok is different in the U.S. than it is in China. Who makes these algorithms? China does. In the U.S., what is prioritized, the algorithm that is written actively pushes this stuff to the top. And what that stuff is, what gets pushed to the top... Are people doing dances, people saying politically charged things, 
straight up fake information and people doing angry rants. The computers find these videos and make sure that those are number one. They put a number one next to them so you are more likely to see those things. In China, they have a different algorithm. In China, the way that TikTok works is what gets a number one stamp, what gets pushed to the top every time are people making achievements in science, people making achievements in mathematics, people making achievements in physical fitness. So in China, when you open up TikTok, you see someone working out and eating healthy. You see someone doing something really cool with rocketry. You see someone making something that has actual value to society. And that encourages people to follow suit. That encourages young people to want to be healthy. That encourages young people to want to make these interesting achievements and to engage with society. That encourages people to follow suit because that is what is popular there. That is what they have strategically made popular. In the U.S., when you open TikTok, the first things you see are people making stupid dances, saying outlandish things that make people angry, and advocating for political violence. That is the first thing that pops up in American TikTok. Why is this so? Why do they do this? Where it's strategic. TikTok in America, because of China, is making Americans dumber, fatter, lazier, and angrier. It is making us more divided, more recessive, and more ridiculous. In China... It's making their citizens healthier, smarter, more active, and encouraging ingenuity. It's making the Chinese people stronger, better, smarter, and more prepared. They're doing that on purpose. They are trying to weaken America by influencing their culture and what is important. That is a national security concern. We need to do security checks. China is writing the algorithm for prominent social media platforms in the U.S. to be negative to make Americans more depressed, more angry, more divided. Whereas in China, the algorithm makes them more successful, more ingenuitive, more intelligent. We do need to do security checks. We'll start with Twitter, then we'll move to TikTok, then we'll move to Facebook, and then we'll move to the Clinton Foundation. Those are, those are the ones that we need to do security checks on. I say let's do it. More information about the Pelosi attacker came out this week. Uh, if in case you missed it, essentially um, an individual broke into Nancy Pelosi's home with a hammer and uh, attempted to essentially attack Nancy Pelosi. Fortunately for her, she was actually in D.C. at the time. He broke into her place in San Francisco. So wrong side of the country. He did attack her husband, Paul Pelosi. And uh, the attacker was named this week David de Pepe or Pepe, David de Pepe, something like that. He's a 42-year-old illegal immigrant from Canada. Yes, um, you know, believe it or not, when the Republicans say we need to secure the border, it's not just a racist thing. They mean all the borders, including the Canadian border. This guy was a 42-year-old illegal immigrant from Canada. He is now, uh, uh, he's he's been accused of breaking into her her house, uh, into Nancy's house and attacking her husband with a hammer. Um, He allegedly wanted to hold the congresswoman hostage and break her kneecaps if he, quote, caught her lying, end quote. Well, I think I could catch her lying every day of the week, um, so it probably wouldn't be that hard to catch her lying. That being said, please don't break her kneecaps. And now, in a very beautiful thing that happened this week as well, Democrats and Republicans, both sides of the aisle, they both came out and said this was a terrible thing. Um, and, it, and it is a terrible thing. Everyone needs to agree this is a terrible thing. We can't go attacking people and threatening to break their legs, especially in their homes in the middle of the night. No, no, we, we cannot resort to violence, people. All right. We're not some third world nation in Africa. We are the United States. Let's have a little bit of class. 
this individual, he whacked Paul Pelosi over the head with a hammer. Uh, when police found him, he found uh, the, the police found zip ties in their bedroom, along with rope, gloves, and a journal. So this guy was was probably going to do some saw stuff on the Pelosi's. Thank goodness the police intervened. That would have been horrific. It is ironic that an illegal immigrant did this. Paul Pelosi was taken to the hospital with a fractured skull. He is doing well enough in the hospital. He's going to be okay. But again, really, really awful stuff. Other things that happened domestically this week. uh, Abortion rates have dropped since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. They dropped about 6% since before Roe v. Wade was a thing to now. uh, Abortions dropped about 6% for a total of about 10,000 less abortions since it was overturned. 13 states have banned or severely limited abortions since that overruling. 10,000 less abortions since that overturning. That was another big thing that happened this week. Non-citizens, they're well on their way to being able to vote. (laughs) You know, we had the women's suffrage movement in the 1920s. In the 2020s, we have the non-citizens and illegal immigrant suffrage movement. The far left is uh, going all out on their cry to allow non-citizens to vote in local elections. The D.C. City Council, for instance, has pushed a bill forward to allow all non-citizens to vote in their local elections. The D.C. City Council advanced the bill to let anyone vote in local elections, regardless of citizenship or immigration status, as long as they have lived in that city for just 30 days. Aside from the obvious concerns with this, my main concern is the national security concern that this has. And, you know, this isn't just a matter of getting more blue votes. Well, obviously, that is a big issue, but there's a legitimate national security issue in play here. With this push to allow illegal immigrants or anybody, non-citizens, to vote in local elections as long as they've been there for 30 days, within that movement and within that ballot measure, there is nothing in that measure, no language at all, that prevents employees of embassies of other governments to vote in our elections. For instance, Spain, they have an embassy in the United States. We have an embassy in Spain. The U.S. does. Spain has an embassy in the United States. Well, anybody that is stationed at that embassy that is a Spanish citizen, part of the Spanish military, can just start voting. They can just start voting if they happen to be stationed in the U.S. Spain, they're our allies. That's a problem, but they're our allies. Well, you know who else has embassies in the U.S. in these areas? China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Iran. They all have embassies in the U.S., And if their soldiers and their politicians are stationed in these embassies for more than 30 days, they're allowed to vote in our elections. How is that not a national security risk here, people? Government operatives from openly hostile nations are completely allowed to cast ballots in U.S. elections. How is that not a problem? Any foreign student, for instance, who is studying abroad in Washington, they are allowed to cast ballots in our local elections. Here's a fun fact for you. This is not a conspiracy theory. China has a government program that sends students to the U.S. to quote-unquote study in the U.S. and essentially become domestic spies. There's a full operation, government-run operation in China to do that. Again, not a conspiracy theory. That is is an openly known, the U.S. has been trying to crack down on that epidemic. Well, suddenly, China sends students over to spy on us, and now they can actually, they can also vote in our elections. How is that not a problem? You know, that bill hasn't passed yet, but look, 
this is a very realistic plausibility. The China sends a bunch of students over, then the stu- then the Chinese students then push a petition that says we, you know, we want to we want uh, America to send China fifty billion dollars every year just for the lols, just for the heck of it, and then they get all these illegal Chinese spies to vote yes on it. <laughs> I mean, that hasn't happened yet. But that that's a very simplistic and realistic example of what can happen. You don't think that the Chinese government is going to take advantage of this and start pushing bills that just help China and absolutely decimate U.S. economy and decimate national security and then and then send massive droves of, quote unquote, students over to just vote for it. Of course, they're going to do that. China, the Chinese government are mischievous, man. We got to be ahead of this. How, how, How are the Democrats not saying that's a problem? That's a massive problem. And by the way, you know, for those that think to themselves, well, okay, you let a couple of illegal immigrants vote. How is that going to sway the, you know, the elections? Well, in D.C. alone, there are more than 50,000 immigrants in D.C. that shouldn't be able to vote, that would then be able to vote if this bill gets passed. 50,000. More than 2 million illegal immigrants have crossed the border since Biden took office. So, yeah, it would sway the vote. It's not just a couple of, you know, these poor little guys that just want to say in their local government. No. We're talking more than 2 million people. That is more than enough, way more than enough to completely swing a vote. That is important. That matters. And ironically enough, there is sort of this running topic with Democrats where the Democratic politicians do whatever they want despite what the American people and the American voters actually want. According to polls, only 9% of Americans think that non-citizens should be able to vote. And yet all these Democrats are pushing for this. 9% of Americans think this is a good idea. So I'm glad to know the citizenship, even the Democrat citizens, know what's good for them. The politicians are completely going against American voter interests in order to push this. Unbelievable. Speaking of uh, national security risks, something else that happened this week that we talked about in the morning news watch at News Talk KZRG, uh, the woke military. A veteran group argued that affirmative action within the military is a severe national security risk. And now the Supreme Court may be banning the consideration of race when looking to fill officer positions. The argument essentially is that by looking at race over qualifications, you're, you're, it's a national security risk. Because, look, when it comes to the military, we want the best of the best, period. I want those protecting me and my family to be the best of the best, period. I don't want to have 10% of them be black, 10% of them be Mexican, 10% of them be Asian, 10% of them be gay. No, that's not what I want. I want the best, If that person happens to be gay, so be it. If that person happens to be black, so be it. If that person happens to be a woman, so be it. I'll have women in the military. I don't care. If they're the best and if they can protect this nation, they should become officers, period. Should have nothing to do with race or ethnicity or sexual orientation or any of that. And that's what Republicans have been saying for a very long time. Well, the Democrats pushed woke ideology into the military, and now veteran groups are coming out and saying, we can't do this. This is a legitimate risk. This is actually dangerous. Countries that want to hurt us, countries that want to kill us, they have a leg up now because we're so focused on making sure that 10% of every single group of people that exist on Earth are appropriately represented in the military. No, we can't be doing that anymore. And I agree with that. And a lot of Americans agree with it, too, according to polls. Another big uh, thing that we talked about this week on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG, and this is actually very good news. This is very uplifting, very hopeful news here, and that is BlackRock. BlackRock is one of the largest money management firms in the world. They handle a little more than $8 trillion worth of assets, which is obscene. That's, that's an insane amount, $8 trillion of assets. 
Well, in recent years, they've been using that money and they've been using shareholders' votes to push not for what is best for shareholders, but to push for environmental and social justice initiatives. Well, people just got downright sick of it. BlackRock, for instance, they refused to work with any company that, quote, dealt with oil, any company at all that had anything to do with oil, even even if it is the strategically intelligent thing to do for these money management partners. They said, we're not going to do it. Well, a lot of state governments have their pensions, have a lot of stuff invested in BlackRock. Well, all these states said, okay, we're not going to do this. We're not going to play your game, BlackRock. We're not going to we're not going to stand on the sidelines and let you use our money to push all of this ridiculous social justice garbage. States like Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, South Carolina, West Virginia, Utah, just to name a few. All these states said we're done. And they pulled all their money from BlackRock. They stood up to the man and they said no. We're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to let you push us around and use our money against our best interests. We're done. They pulled their money out. In total, they pulled out around $700 million from their firm. Well, that got BlackRock's attention. And now BlackRock is walking back their stance. And they said, okay, you know, we're now going to push for what they call shareholder democracy. Which is basically saying, okay, fine, fine, we'll go back to investing in oil. We'll go back into investing in conservative movements as well, not just social stuff. We'll go back to making intelligent moves instead of just pushing for social justice garbage. And this is why it's hopeful, I think, is because protesting works. Protesting works. And, and that's why the founding fathers said we could protest. They, they encourage protesting because it does work. Look, we can make all the laws and rules we want, but when it comes to the free market, If you have a company that you don't agree with, stop purchasing their goods. Stop showing up to their shows. Stop doing whatever it does. Do not support them. And they will change their minds very quickly. Very quickly. BlackRock has $8 trillion. All these states pulled out a fraction of that. And more states were going to do it. They were going to protest them by saying, we're not going to purchase your goods if you guys are going to be doing this. And then BlackRock buckled and said, okay, sorry. We take it back. We'll do what you want. That is the power of protesting. It works. And why I think it's good news and why I think it's encouraging is that through the power of states' rights and through the power of individual people, we can stand up to these Goliaths, to this $8 trillion money management firm. We can stand up to them. We can beat them. All that it takes is the courage for us to do it. We don't need to be slaves to this wokeism. We can stand up and fight back. It just takes the courage to do so. And again, these states like Missouri, West Virginia, Arkansas, and so many more They had the courage to stand up and say, no, we're done. I think that's very inspiring. And I think we need to do more of that. We need to take on Disney next. We need to take on Apple next. We need to take on all these woke companies that clearly don't have our best interests in mind. And we can do it. We just need to summon up the courage to do it. And I hope we do. I hope we find that courage to do it. Um, And finally, the last thing we talked about on the morning news watch at News Talk KZRG this week is um, the Ukraine war and what's happening there. And along with what's happening with our good buddy Vladimir Putin, the Vlad lad, as I like to call him. This week, Russia attacked Ukrainian troops with Iran-made drones being powered by Chinese tech. Um, and the big news story here is the Chinese tech side. Now, we all knew that Russia and Iran have been buddy-buddy in the situation, and, and Iran has been helping out Russia, much like how the U.S. has been helping out Ukraine. Well, the news here is with China. Uh, China and Russia were buddy-buddy for a long time, not because they had similar interests, but because they had similar hates. 
They both hate the West, and they want to destroy and hurt the West. And so they bonded in that aspect. Well, when this whole Ukrainian war thing broke out, everyone was very worried that China was going to step in, help Russia, and then we'd be in a situation where we might have to go to war with China and Russia at the same time. That was the concern. Well, up until now, that's not really what was happening. Up until now, China was kind of taking a backseat. They were sideliners. They weren't really doing anything for Russia, thank goodness. Well, as it turns out, they actually have been doing stuff for Russia. They have been helping Russia a lot on their tech side. Um, They've been playing a pretty major uh, component in the war after all. Um, Again, with the technologies, most of which were stolen from the U.S. and Europe, by the way. Most of the components that were powering these drones actually were from the U.S. and Europe. So we also need to go in and figure that whole mess out as well. But the point is, is that China is aiding Russia actively in a militaristic way, despite um, previous assumptions that they actually weren't. So that was big in the news this week. Um, Over with the Vlad lad, Vladimir Putin. There has been conspiracy theories about Vladimir Putin's health for about eight years now. Um, Oliver Stone, he's a documentarian, he's a filmmaker. He's been talking about this for years, and uh, nobody really believed him. But it turns out it might be true, and that is that Putin may be battling pancreatic cancer as well as Parkinson's. This is according to leaked Kremlin emails. The Kremlin, though, viciously denies these claims because the Kremlin wants Putin to seem strong and healthy and all that good stuff. Well, the man's old. The man's old. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, age is a thing. The way that we actually found this out is very interesting. Vladimir Putin did a photo op on a Russian military base. And in one of the photos, Putin, he's shaking hands with one of the soldiers. And if you zoom in on the picture, you can see what looks like IV track marks on Putin's hand as if, you know, he was been in the hospital. Um, And that's essentially what started the investigation. Little digging came out and these emails were revealed that he might have pancreatic cancer as well as Parkinson's. I'm not someone to wish ill for people that are politically different from me. So I, I I guess I hope he gets better. But at the same time, he actively wants to kill Americans. So, you know, I I don't really know how I feel about it. So that's all I got for you this week for plot summary. Uh, That is pretty much what we discussed this week on the Morning News Watch. Again, this Tuesday is going to be the midterms. News Talk KZRG will have your complete midterm coverage sponsored by the Hinkles at NewsTalkKZRG.com. Tune into the Morning News Watch. You can catch us on air or on our Facebook live stream. We are live every single morning. If you can't make it in the morning live, uh, those live streams are also recorded. So you can always tune in later. And I will see you next week on Plot Summary with News Talk KZRG.